Today, we have the privilege of speaking with Josh Frazier, who is the co-founder of Origin Protocol, a true visionary in the world of blockchain. At an early age, Josh had a passion for coding, and he founded three different venture-backed companies before embarking on the Origin journey. Origin has powered record-breaking NFT sales from renowned creators such as Three Laws Masterpiece, which sold for $11.3 million, Charlie Bit My Finger, yep, from YouTube, and Origin's also creating the Origin Dollar, OUSD, which is rewriting the rules of stablecoins by offering competitive DeFi yields directly into your wallet, thus eliminating the usual complexities of yield farming. So, without further ado, Josh, welcome to Pounding the Tape. I wonder why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500. These guys are poor, smart, hungry, and no feelings. Win a field, you lose a field, you keep on fighting. Welcome back to Pond in the Table, and welcome back, Tony. We have Josh Frazier here from Origin Protocols, one of the founders of Origin. So very excited to have you here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Fantastic. For those that don't know you, if you want to just give a quick overview. Yeah. So to start, Origin, we've been around since 2017. Originally launched with the desire to be decentralized marketplace for anything. The idea was like peer-to-peer marketplace for Uber, Airbnb, all these types oh. of marketplaces. Still believe in that idea, but it was just way, we were way too early. We A lot of the pieces we need for that still to this day don't, don't really exist and we haven't figured out how to do things like privacy and get gas costs down and all of these things but from there we pivoted on we have two products now origin story your sorry nft platform and origin dollar which is our yield bearing stable coin and so i can speak a little bit about both of those on the nft side we did the sale with justin blau that did 11.7 million dollars really was at the time it was the largest nft sale up to up to that point in time and it really catapulted NFTs into mainstream consciousness. Up until that time, we were really just topics of, you know, conversation among nerds like ourselves, but really hadn't been you know, really brought any attention to mainstream at all. And then this is, you know, this having height of COVID. So everyone's stuck at home. All the artists aren't touring. We're not making any money. And here's this little, little DJ that's just made more money than these much bigger artists. And so that was really what catapulted. Uh, NFTs and origin into kind of spotlight as this platform for helping creators launch their NFTs. Uh, so we worked with lots of musical artists, a lot of EDM artists, if you, if you like that kind of music, like Bass Jackers, Casimir, Don Diablo. We worked with Ryan. So that was really fun just getting to work with them and, and do those launches. We worked with SpaceX. We worked with Paris Hilton, did her NFT drop. And what was cool about that is just like these people have like such an enormous audience. I mean, people who are not in crypto and able to bring first timers into the community and really grow the, the community, which I think is, is really important. And then more recently, we've been focusing more on existing group collections in, you know, in the NFC world and allowing them to have white label marketplaces where they can sell their own NFTs on their own domain and set the parameters uh, for that marketplace themselves. So a good example of this is like Pudgy Penguin. They have like a custom marketplace that's run and hosted by Origin. Instead of going on OpenSea or Blur, 
where you have this whole sea of different options. On Bear Marketplace, they control the whole experience. They control the branding. It's all cute with little, little cute penguins everywhere. And you're not getting all the fake collections that are trying to scam you. And all of those are hidden. You, you have a, a, you know, a, a very clean experience where you can, you can do that. And so that's obviously been very popular recently with all of the royalty wars that are going on. Oh, as yeah. a lot of creators are, are wanting to take, take back control for themselves and have a little bit more uh, control over the experience. And then our other product is Origin Dollar, um, which is the yield-bearing stablecoin. So stablecoin is pegged to a dollar, um, but it uh, earns yield um, right in your wallet. So funds that you deposit get converted uh, into you know, yield-bearing assets. So deployed on things like Compound and Aave and Curve and Convex. Um, all of that yield as it comes in is automatically harvested. And then it shows up in your wallet automatically um, as extra units of origin dollar. So if you've done any yield farming, you know kind of how painful it can be to, uh, you know, you stake some assets and then you have to come back a couple of days later. You have to harvest them, uh, swap them on Uniswap, redeploy those stable coins back into the pool again. So you're getting compound interest. And then you do the math on how much you just spent on gas. And you're like, oh man, I'm. I'm not sure I'm even ahead right now <laughs> um, because it's, it's, it's so expensive to, to do that. Uh, so Origin Dollar takes all that complexity away. There's no staking. There's no lockups. Uh, you get all of that compounding interest automatically. You don't have to do anything. You just buy it, hold it, watch your balance go up. Uh, it's the easiest way to, to earn and DeFi. I know a lot of DeFi projects uh, were super on the rage. I was in a lot of DeFi projects as well during all the, uh, all the hype on them. Um, but I know now that like, you know, a lot of people are not super big fans of like anything that's over just like regularly staking ETH or regularly like staking Bitcoin, something like that. So I'm kind of curious what goes into the origin dollar? How, how uh, can like just an everyday person use that? And I know that there's probably a lot of interest in the topic now as seeing as how banks are flopping every other day now. Um, and so I know a lot yeah. of people are looking to get into the whole like banking through crypto DeFi sector. But probably in like an everyday regular, like, you know, this is my bank account, it's my savings account way. Um, so that's, that's a big reason why we wanted to bring you on as well, just to discuss that amidst all the, uh, the turmoil in the uh, financial system. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a really important topic and it, it really drives home the importance of why we're all here right? on, on, you know, but, uh, Bitcoin and it's, it's the message inscribed in uh, the very first Genesis block uh, of Bitcoin. Uh, on January 3rd, 2009, right around, you know, Chancellor announces the, the next bailout for the banks, right? That was, that, that was a right. for the, the creation of, of Bitcoin. Uh, so yeah, that, that's all very important. Uh, you know, for origin dollars, like, you know, for people who are in the space and are lazy, like me, right? It's like, I want access to DeFi yields, uh, but I, I don't like doing all this work, right? I don't like spending all this gas money. Um, you, you know, maintaining all these positions takes takes a lot of effort and time uh and it's hard to track as well right you you deposit into some farm you get some fractional amount back you don't even know what it represents you have to have spreadsheets on spreadsheets just keeping up with bro uh and origin dollar just simplifies all of that away from uh for you and so really the the question is do you trust the backing collateral so in our case it's usdt usdc and dai so it's the three largest stable coins and then it's we, we've limited ourselves to 
just for the blue chip DeFi protocols, right? The safest ones have been battle tested with hundreds of millions of dollars and, and the test of time. Things like Compound and Avi and Curve, Convex, Morkle, things that have been around, they've been proven for, for some time. So as long as you trust those assets, you trust those protocols, then you can say, okay, do we trust the sort of a combination of what we've put together here, uh-huh. right? And Origin Dollar itself has been battle tested with, with time and hundreds of millions of dollars of assets that have gone into it. You know, the only thing we can to, to keep it safe and get it regularly audited, but open Zeppelin and, and others. So if you do that, then it becomes kind of a no brainer because if you're holding stables in your wallet, you're not earning anything. Uh, but if you're holding Origin Dollar, you're going to be earning something, right? And recently, you know, last month has been great. The APY has been like 13, 14% just because of USDC pegging, which, you know, we can go into what happened there. But, you know, we were able to turn that FUD into profit for the protocol. Uh, but over the last year, it's been more like 6%, 5-6% yield, but it's been returning. So great place to, you know, park your capital, earn some yield without all the hassles that typically go into yield farming on your own. I was laughing earlier. You said that the plus side here of inflation is we're all going to become billionaires. You saw your tweet. There was another tweet you mentioned about how from the White House themselves saying that crypto has no inherent value. And you're like, oh, cool. No, no taxes. Obviously you were joking there, but what you're comfortable sharing your personal opinion of everything that's kind of going on and, and perhaps where you see some of this regulation landing. Yeah. I mean, I think my sense is you have government has declared outright war on crypto. Some would say it's a conspiracy theory, but I think at a certain point you just say it's, you, you have to wonder to have the banking blockade happening at the same time as they're going after Coinbase who, you know, have done everything they can to do everything above board already got approved to be by the SEC to get listed on the New York stock exchange. So for them to come back and say what you're doing is unacceptable, it's like, that's, that's a bit weird. The wells uh, two years later, it's, you're um, running this. Interesting that the media focus so much on it because banks get Wells notices like all the time. And for them to make a huge splash too in the media, it felt like they were kind of coming after them as well. Well, and to say like, we're coming after you for listing, you know, securities and no, we won't tell you which tokens we think are securities, right? I mean, they're putting them in this impossible situation of like defending themselves when like, uh, we don't even know what they're being accused of. Uh, so it's, it, that, that's, you know, quite questionable, uh, just the timing around it for him going after Binance as well, um, at the same time. And then even, you know, even SushiSwap, um, are getting investigated as well. So they're going at, you know, they're, they're, they're not leaving any stone unturned here in their, in their attack on, on crypto. So, uh, I think, you know, the, the, you can sort of zoom out and speculate on why. Uh, and I think it's because the U S dollar is looking pretty precarious right now. Mm-hmm. Um. I'd probably, I'm not, I'm not as much of a doom and gloom, uh, as bloody as, uh, you know, million dollar Bitcoin, uh, at least in the, not in 90 days, but I think directly he's probably, uh, he's probably right that there's like systemic risk with the US dollar and, and, um, all of the printing that we've been doing for years is, is going to eventually catch up to us. And I think it is starting to catch up to us right now. You can't just print money uh, forever. Um, and so, yeah, I think the Fed realizes that. That's why I've been raising interest rates after promising the banks that they wouldn't. Uh, and so, you know, the, the fractional reserve model is you, um, you know, you, uh, 
they, they were lending that money out. They were locking in these uh, very low interest rates on the, on the guarantee or the, the promise that they weren't going to raise rates. Now, you know, now we're holding these securities at very low interest rates. Their customers are saying, hey, you're not paying me anything, right? Bank of America is paying me nothing, zero interest on my money. They get to go lend that out at, you know, at much higher right. rates. And so customers are, are naturally doing the rational thing and saying, hey, we want our money back. Well, if you won't give us interest on it, give us our money back. We'll take it somewhere else uh, that will. Uh, and of course, it's putting um, massive strain on the banks because they don't have the money. They've, they've loaned it out already. Uh, and it's not there, right? So um, there, you know, I'm take these losses and that's, that's putting the whole, the whole system under, under a lot of pressure. And with Fed now coming, you know, it's really about control, right? How do we actually have control? And you see the, the government wanting to have that power and, and which, which government wouldn't want to have the ability to just print money and have it accepted just as valuable no matter how much you print. The problem is the rest of the world isn't going to take that. Right? The rest of the world is going to say, hey, wait, wait, wait. You can't, just, you can't just inflate your token supply anytime you want more money to do stuff, right? And we've been recklessly spending for a long time. And honestly, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, at some point, we're going, to have to, we're going to have to face the consequences of all that reckless spending. Davi and I have spoke about this a lot, but Avi's been a big proponent of a central bank digital currency. So I'm wondering now if like, you know, thinking about and saying it's, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Avi's the main marketer for it. Now. Shit. But thinking about, <laughs> of course, the world and especially the United States being just in, in, in mountains of, uh, of debt caused by just excessive printing and spending. I wonder, do you think there's a chance that maybe that's how they try to shape it under the rug? Just kind of, kind of push it under there by maybe just pivoting into starting to do a, a central bank digital currency where they can kind of rewrite the rules of finance. I, that's just an interesting topic, especially because the Fed chairs started talking about this and the treasury chairs started talking about these things. And you're seeing, you're seeing the squeeze on the financial sector. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's been, I don't know, over a year before and Bitcoin and ETH have not ran much, but they just ran 30, 40% in the last two or three weeks because of the banks falling as well as gold. Right. So it seems like yeah. people are more skittish than ever about the US dollar, to your point. Yeah. I mean, to see Bitcoin up, what, 70, 80% this year so far, despite blow after blow after blow after blow that this industry has taken. This is after Coinbase is being targeted, Binance is being targeted, the whole FTX collapse last year, all of that in, in that context. And, and Bitcoin is, is still pumping. Right. So I think that speaks to, you know, people just waking up and realizing, hey, um, this is maybe not the, the safest place for me, for me to park my money. And fiat systems are a confidence game. Once that confidence is, is lost, uh, it's, it's game over, right? And, uh-huh. and the central bankers know that. Uh, and so they're, you know, that's why they're so quick to jump in and say, hey, we'll cover everything. Don't worry. All Don't the worry. markets are covered. Don't worry. Everything's fine. Bank system's strong. Funds are there. Everything's good. Don't worry. Don't worry. Because you know, if, if people panic, then, then it, it's game over, right? Because they have no choice. And it's looking more and more like they have no choice but to monetize the debt, as in spread more money to pay for the debt um, that, they, that they have, right? Because it, the debt, even the interest on the debt is growing at such a, such a high rate right now. On the same topic, because there has been a lot going on, right? This quote 
TikTok bill that's that's the Restrict Act, right? That's coming out publicly. They're focused on TikTok. They're focused on China and all of that. That's what we're seeing on the news. But in the deep, dark Reddit halls that I start to read into, a lot of crypto people have been freaking out. It's like $500,000 or 20 years in jail if you use a VPN. Now they're talking about so. I don't know if you've yeah. looked too much into this. I didn't realize they'd moved to communist China. That, I mean, that seems like a sort of draconian law. That I mean, not even China has a law like that, right? You can use a VPN to find it in China. Um, so, I, I mean, it's it's really quite concerning. Um, people are like, everyone's like, don't worry, don't worry, it's not going to pass. But it's like, who, who wrote this? Why is this, why, why is this uh-huh. even being put forward as a legitimate bill um, with, su- with, with ideas that go against what, 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 so obviously go against kind of the core tenets of uh, our constitution and, for and what freedom. we're supposed to stand for as a country for freedom and uh, personal liberty and, and all of that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's, it really goes to show that people want power, they want control, and you can't really trust them not to, not to abuse it when they get a chance. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we gave you some curveballs up front here, but what's framed you, you know, to who you are today? Uh, I was a total nerd. I, I grew up uh, in Scotland. Um, my dad's Scottish, my mom's American. Uh, but I was born in Scotland, grew up there. And when I was 10 years old, my dad bought me an Apple IIe computer and a basic programming book. And so I would, I, I just was obsessed. Uh, and I would, you know, stay up for hours writing, you know, basically copying the programming programs from the book into the computer and then you you know after typing enough hours you like hit run and hope the thing works and i remember just the sense of wonder first time i built like a pong game and i could see it like this pong game working with it that i built and i could play with the numbers and see the the speed of the ball move at, at fast and stuff like that and i was hooked right from then on i just i was like love computers ever since and so, yeah, coded all the way through high school, got to college, studied computer science. I moved to the States at this point, coded all through college and just always, like, always knew I wanted to, you know, use technology, build stuff on the internet, make the internet better. Yeah, basically just have done startups my whole career. Uh, so started my first startup straight out of college, went through Techstars, uh, that program in, in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and that really helped me understand, like, how do you start a business? Right? How do you, how do you find investors? What's the cap table? What's up PL? Like, I didn't know any of this stuff. And, and so learned, you know, the basics of how to run a business, got connected to a bunch of investors and really started building out my, my network in, in the tech world. And so, you know, from there went on and, and did several of our startups, sold one of them to Walmart, went on and then started working with Matt, who's my co-founder on Origin. We built some other companies that were, you know, maybe a smaller scale, but we're just a lot of fun to build. We did some like affiliate marketing businesses and we ran like a bill negotiation service for a while and ultimately, you know, got excited about crypto and, and started working on Origin in, in 2017. How'd you meet your co-founders? Anything, any, any wild stories or? We met at a VC firm. Uh, Hunter Walk was his boss at YouTube. So Matt was uh, one of the first product managers at YouTube. You missed before we were acquired by Google, like early days. And so his boss at YouTube went on to start a VC farm and they had this huge office and they're like, man, it's really dead in here. Like we should have some, some builders, like some entrepreneurs, like, why don't we, why don't we just invite some, some people to come build? So I pitched them on investing in my company and they said, no, but 
do you want to have some free office space? We're looking to fill this, this place up. So I sat down at the desk and across me was this guy, Matt, and uh, he'd been given a similar offer. And uh, yeah, we very generously give us office space. And, and that's how we met and became friends. That's awesome. That's a better so, shout out to uh, Hunter Walk for dinner. <laughs> that's better than yeah, how you guys meet a message on Twitter, just a Twitter DM saying, hey, man. I want to talk to docs. And that was it. And I was literally just, yeah, that's how yeah, it went. I think we took a photo of the early conversations. I was kind of a creep. Our audience has heard the story a million times, so I'll do it quickly. But basically, I invited him into my chat group with all my friends. And we were talking and asking him all these questions about the stock market. And eventually, he's like, hey, can you just send all the questions over in one sheet? And I was like, better yet, I'll send you a microphone. And then we started the podcast and, and <laughs> that's pretty much how that went. What, what's happening in, in, in the market? So I guess one question I'd have just in, in general with all these, not to kind of go all in on this, this government, but they've been really focused on, you know, Ethereum and, and they haven't, you know, at least in the news that I've been watching, they haven't really started going into some of the layer twos and things like that. Do you feel like this war kind of on crypto has an end game in sight? Do you think that, you know, Gensler just kind of needs to get his way or do you think it's going to continue to tighten and, and how do we stop this? I know this is a, a big question to ask to you and you're a founder of a company that's yeah. in the space. A lot of people that do see this new technology as a way to start owning, you know, and have ownership over your dollars, ownership over your mm -hmm. assets. Um, sure. Do you see this sure. to go or like, are they going to continue to attack different layers? Well. It, as much as the U.S. Like, pretend is the placement of the world, there are other countries, other jurisdictions, there are other places you can go and other, for rule that does not actually extend everywhere. And, and so that's, that's a very reassuring thing for everyone in crypto. You know, you can't just, you know, Gary Gensler can't, can't turn off Bitcoin. He can't turn off Ethereum, no matter what he says, no matter who he sues, he can't, he can't do it. And so that's, that's very reassuring. This is a global phenomenon. And. You know, the U.S. has to balance the fact that there, you know, there's, there's a lot of jobs that are being created by crypto. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of innovation and cutting it off is, is really just guaranteeing that they're going to be left out from all of the benefits that come from new technologies and innovation, right? You know, when in history has it ever worked out well to ban a breakthrough technology, right? It's not a beneficial thing. So I, I think the, at least it seems like the, Motivation is really protecting the exit, like blocking the exits and trying to keep people at the US dollar at this time. Um, but I mean, there's, there's lots of ways that they can justify it, right? They can say, Oh, look at what happened with FTX. We don't want to, we want business for investor protections, right? And they'll, they'll tell the story around how we're doing this for our own good. Um, of course, we all know, you know, the absurdity of that. Uh, if they're going to lunch with, with SBF and, um, you know, we're, we're very close there. Um, and, you know, going after, you know, we you know, go let, let companies like FTX, uh, thrive and then go after the, the, the people who are trying to follow the rules and, and be good actors in this space. So it's quite disingenuous, but I think a lot of it can just be traced back to just people wanting more power, right? Gary Gindler wants to expand the scope of the SEC and expand his own, his own power and, and control. I definitely could see that. I mean, I think the main point here that I, I keep hearing you echo and, and we've spoken about this many times on the podcast is that it, it's never been about just like Bitcoin go up, ETH go up like this. It's not, it's never just like which alt's going to run the most or whatever. It's like, what is this technology going to do for the, the holes that we have in everyday commerce and everyday living, right? Like 
the suitability of what it could be used for is way, way more vast and way more crucial to like human advancement in general than just Bitcoin go up, you know? So I think, I yeah. think a lot of people kind of confuse. It's like, it's funny. I was just telling Avi before we started, like it's, I haven't been really following crypto for quite some time now, but just starting to get back into it because when, when prices move, you have to look. Um, but I used to be like very heavily always doing crypto. Um, but if you look just like what people consider crypto is, right? Like, I think most people, if you were to do like a test, it, if you say crypto or you say Bitcoin, I feel like the same exact part in the brain would register. And so I think, I think the further we get away from that association, the closer we'll be towards like the actual goal of decentralization and, and, you know, private ownership and, and things like that, because it's very, very unsettling to know that even Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Silicon Valley, all these different banks have all the assets in the world. And sure, the FDIC can do 250,000, but how many times, right? Like, it's not limitless. Like, I mean, like it, it theoretically is, but if you really think about it, there's only, what is it? I, I forget what the actual math is, but I think there's only four to 5% of all dollars that exist in existence that are actually like physical. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. I think it might be less. I think you might be right. I, I don't remember the statistic, but I know it's less than 5%. And so if you really think about like a bank run, that's a huge issue because people will just, if you, you can't, you can't, it, it, the run ends before mile one. You know, and if this is a marathon and people are not going to make it to the end. So I think it's interesting to think about all the different things we can do in crypto, but I think it's not really great that we're trying to press down so harshly on it when we're bailing out, not just the banks, like as a conglomerate, just spent 30, 30 billion in an FRC. And then you've got the, the Fed doing the same thing. And I'm, and, and here's the other, like, who knows what's really going on behind the doors, right? Like there's definitely always things going on, like Credit Suisse and UVS. Credit Suisse had $50 trillion of like notational leverage between commodities and everything else they're having. And they're being sold for 2 billion to U UBS. It's, it's, the math is not mathing. So I, I think, I think stuff like what you're doing, what other people are doing makes a lot of sense. And I think it's what we need for an actual prosper future. Yeah. And one of the things that we've seen from all of the rough stuff that's happened is that we're, we've gotten stronger, right? And people have sort of returned to the basics and fundamentals and principles on um, why this stuff matters. So after FTX, what did we see? We saw a huge flood of funds moving out of custodial wallets and into self-hosted wallets, right? People are saying, mm -hmm. hey, you know what? It's, I don't trust these exchanges. I want to, you know, I'll, I'll go through the work of figuring out how to store this stuff myself. And, and so now, you know, we're, we're more decentralized and more resilient as a community than we were before. Uh, and we can, you know, I, I, I like to joke with Gary Gensler and SPMs have done more for a cause of decentralization than most of us who work in the industry. That's fine. Uh, because <laughs> Faye loves our yeah. What other projects are, are really interesting to you in the space? Who do you look up to, right? Because I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners that, that look up to you and uh, it's always interesting yeah. to hear like who, who the idols idols are there's a lot of names i'm very inspired by everyone in in DeFi, but you know these are some like we have some really amazing building blocks and primitives that we can then do like really interesting things on right so whether it's stanny from avi or robert from compound or michael from curve like these are all like amazing protocols that we can we can use and, and build on top of and, and order dollar is building on top of that Something's exciting. We're seeing new stuff around like replacements for FTX. Like one of the things people loved about FTX was leverage, right? Being able to do leverage trading. 
Now, you know, you have lots of decentralized options if you just want to swap, right? So you can go on Curve or Uniswap for that. But what if you want to do a leveraged trade? Don't have a whole lot of decentralized options for that. But we've seen this huge explosion with things like TMX and Bella that are enabling decentralized ways to do leverage on chain. So I, there's a lot of really interesting uh, stuff going on. The Morphle protocol was super interesting as well. Just helping markets be more efficient and right? doing peer-to-peer marketing, um, matching between borrowers and lenders so that we both get a better rate. They're one of the protocols that we're incorporating into order dollar as well to, to generate yield. But there's a lot, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of exciting stuff that's, that's going on in space, even in this, in this bear market. And a lot of it is driven by sort of what's happening, right? So you can sort of mm-hmm. see like, you know, GMX is, is taking off because people want leverage, but we don't want to trust a, a centralized counterparty. Very cool. There's a lot of good information here. We talked a lot about what has happened and, and what's happening right now, but I'll leave with a last question for thought here. You've obviously accomplished a lot. What's something that you've yet to accomplish that you got to get off that bucket list before? I want to see the world from outer space. That's been on my oh, bucket wow. list since I was a teenager. And I, I think I'll probably get there. I mean, with, with, with the rate of innovation advancement, I, I think it'll probably come down to a point where it's cheap enough and I'm not too scared to get on. I don't necessarily, I, I'm waiting for it to become less of a big deal, but I, I'd, I'd love to see the world from, from outer space. You said you worked with space you, so you know, Elon, one call away. One call away, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to ask, are we going with Bezos or Musk? And I was going to... There was only one right answer. So let's go. Well, thank you so much for coming on the pond of the table. It was great to speak with you, Josh. It's great to be with both of you. Thanks for having me on. Honestly, I never doubt it. Say the top is never crowded. Well, I'm trying to climb the mountain till I need a few accountants. I 